ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. Hey guys, this week I sit down with Amy Hall. We get into an albino buck girls wearing pink and the overuse of food in the freezer enjoy the episode so we're on with amy hall amy i appreciate you sitting down with me greatly welcome thank you thanks for having me absolutely so we'll jump right into it i'm going to follow my normal fashion and why don't you give us a little bit of an intro and tell us about yourself Okay. Um, I am an almost 40 year old who, uh, who I guess I started hunting about four years ago. Before that I worked in healthcare and, um, and I'm a photographer. I'm also a mom to two and, um, I don't know. I've just done a little bit of everything. I've taught ballroom dancing. I have, um, I have worked in food distribution. Like I've done a little bit of everything, but photography has been something that I've been a part of for 12 years and I've really enjoyed being my own boss. So, um, once, uh, hunting kind of jumped in, I've kind of, I don't know, I've really enjoyed that side of, of life. Like I've really embraced it and enjoyed it. And I love bringing my family into it. So what, what kind of photography? I'm a, um, I do a little bit of everything. I just don't do weddings. Um, <laughs> that's not my cup of tea. <laughs> I don't that's do weddings not, either. And I'm not a photographer. No, it is. It is not a desire that I have in the moment. I really, I really enjoy families. Um, I'll do birth photography, uh, newborn photography, animal photography. Um, I shoot for some businesses. I just got done with a shoot for former Senator Frist. 
here in Nashville. It was a two day shoot and it was a lot of fun, but, um, but I just don't do weddings. <laughs> so that that's kind of afforded you some travel opportunity too, if I remember correctly. It has, it has, we've got, you know, it's fun to be able to plan a family vacation and book shoots with families that are going to be down there around the same time and have your vacation paid for. Um, so it's been, that has been enjoyable. It's, um, that's been kind of new, you know, as my kids get older, I have the ability to do a little bit more with their independence. So are you, when you're out in the woods, are you shooting animals with your camera as well as with your bow? You know, I have not actually taken my good camera out before until, um, until this spring and it's going to be coming with me from now on. Um, I've always had my cell phone, which I've taken pictures with. Um, but it'll, this is going to kind of venture into a different realm for me just to be able to, you know, when it's just you, it's kind of like you can take a selfie or you can try to take pictures of things around you, but being able to take my kids with me this year, it's gonna, it's gonna open that world wide up. Well, you had an opportunity and I don't want to get into it too much, um, last year, with a, uh, a special visitor when you were sitting in your stand. Uh, I can't imagine what you would have captured uh, if you had a camera on that. That was pretty neat. I know. You know that, um, it's, we kind of, we've talked about it in, in passing and in, um, in the group that we're in, but having a, an albino buck, a 12 point here on the East coast, we call them 12 points. Um, walk underneath you, right underneath you and hang out with you for about 30 minutes and um, only be able to shoot him with your camera um, since it's illegal in Tennessee to do that. It, it still was a once in a lifetime experience um, just to sit there and kind of observe how he behaved and uh, the little idiosyncrasies that he had Um he couldn't hear. You could make all the noise in the world and he wasn't budging. It, he wasn't spooked. He would run into a couple things, which made me think he was blind, at least in one eye, um, or had failing vision. And so it, it gave me opportunity to observe him, um, at the same time, appreciate the time that I had to observe him. Yes. There's not many folks that, uh, that get that opportunity. I've seen one albino deer. I want to say it was like, I don't know, eight to somewhere between eight and 10 years ago. And it was a doe. We were mm-hmm. in uh, the Sierras here. And uh, at first I didn't realize what I was looking at. And it yeah. was just like, whoa. You, you kind of double take and wonder what you're staring at. And then all of a sudden it sets in and, and you go, oh my goodness, that's. <laughs> that's really awesome to be sitting here looking at that. Yeah. So let's, um, uh, let's peel back for a second. Cause I want you, I want to yes. hear that whole story. Um, cause that's pretty yeah. cool. I thought that was neat to see that video and whatnot, but why don't you give us a little bit about your hunting and outdoor life since you're, uh, I don't know, four or so years in. Yeah. We've, we have always, I, my entire life have been in the outdoors. Um, 
my family growing up, there were six of us. So family vacations were fairly expensive and camping was the one way that we were able to see our neck of the woods up to DC, down to Florida, um, all over the place. So it was being outside was definitely something that I grew up with. We made forts in the woods. We bathed in the creek. Like we did everything um, to be able to see the sights. Um, But when I married a wildlife and fisheries major, um, it kind of changed that a little bit. It, It changed into something that I was doing with my best friend instead of with my family. And, um, we've camped here and there and things like that, but mainly it's just, it's walking through places and hearing him talk about, you know, what kind of tree that is, why those leaves are turned that way, weather's coming in. Um, I know my kids have learned what a river otter latrine site looks like. Um, looking for snakes, how to look, just all of those different things. So we've always been in the outdoors. My husband has hunted since I think he was 11 or 12 with his grandfather, but I never got into hunting as a kid. My brothers did, and they're a bit younger than me. Um, But it was just not something that I think it was a, it was definitely not assumed that the girls in the family wanted to hunt. and neither of my dads hunted growing up. My stepdad learned how to hunt because my brothers wanted to learn. Um, but when my husband was hunting and I had little ones at home, I kind of got jealous that he got to go sit in a stand in the quiet <laughs> for hours. And it kind of made me, it made me think, A, that would be really nice. Um, just to get out of the house for a little bit. But B, I could do that too. And I could help contribute to, um, to bringing meat in and to, uh, and to having that opportunity. But also that third part of, you know, once I got started, there was pride in that. There was a, well, dadgummit, I did that. Um, and so I don't know. I think that every hunter goes through that, especially on the first time. I did it. Um, all that hard work, all that preparation, all of that, uh, just everything comes to fruition and you find pride and something that you've worked really hard to get into. Yeah. So it kind of goes all into that. And, um, and I, I went and got, I went to the classes, I went and passed everything and got my, um, got my license and we went out before the season started and I was shown, this is how you get up into the stand. This is where your harness goes. This is how you get down and good luck. And so the the morning that I went on my first hunt, I went by myself. Um, and it was really, it really was a cool experience to be able to say, I did this. So was that um, something that uh, that your husband said, hey, do you want to do this? Or you said, hey, I want to do this or I'm doing this. Um, <laughs> what was, it what was, was his reaction it was more, to that? It was more of a, hey, I'd like to do this. Can you help me figure it out? And he pointed me in the directions that I needed to go. 
but when it came down to it, he was pretty respectful about it. He knew, you know, after all of these years of being married, he knew how he knew how I would respond to things and how I like to figure things out on my own. So he gave me room to investigate and to do things kind of on my own. And if I had questions, I could come to him and ask and he would give me the answers that I needed, or it would be something that we both needed to figure out. And so we would work together on that. But I think it was a great, he knew me well enough to let me, to let me learn a few things on my own, to get up in a tree and figure out, okay, this, I'm shorter this isn't going to work. I've got to figure out a different way of doing this and kind of trial and error, figure it out. But that gives you a greater appreciation for the end. 100%. And I, I don't know if he saw that at the beginning of it, um, that that's what would come of it, or, or if he just knew that I would get more out of that being me. Um, but either way, he did, he did a great job of giving me enough room to figure things out. Yeah, I think that's, I, I don't know, maybe that's something that comes with experience. Um, but I think that's important. So if I take somebody out, that's, you know, it's like, hey, it's your hunt. I'll help, but you lead the way. Let's, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. It just means more at the end of the day. And then if you take somebody out and you say, okay, do, the, do this, 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 this. Oh, wait, there's your deer. Shoot it. I don't know if they... One will appreciate it if they're ever going to have that opportunity again, right? Because in my opinion, you put somebody in that situation, um, whether it's helping them or not, you get them through that first animal and then you're saying, oh, then it's time to, you know, basically kick the, uh, kick the bird out of the nest. Now fly on your own. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's yeah. enough in just taking someone out and saying, shoot it. No. And I'm, I don't want to put guided hunts down or anything, but um, I think it definitely depends on a guided hunt, how much is guided and how much is allowed to be learned. Yeah. Well, there's so, so that's kind of a, a mixed realm, right? Because there's, yeah. there's opportunity that, you know, guys don't have or women don't have to go out and scout or that, you know, they're out, uh, they're out East exactly. there in Tennessee and want to come out West and hunt elk or mule deer or something. So yeah. in that instance, I get it right. And then if you don't have the experience in that scenario, I don't want to go learn for five, $6,000. <laughs> no, no, that is very true. If I'm paying a ton of money, I'm, it's kind of like here, here is, here is where we have done the scouting. We have done the work. Um, and it's, I think it's different when you're mentoring kids too. I think that there's, it depends on the age. My kids are, you know, almost 12 and nine and they, they will need more hands-on guiding. Whereas walking alongside them, an adult, it's kind of, I don't know, waiting for questions or if there's a dangerous situation, pointing that out. But, um, I don't know. It takes a, a really good teacher to see that balance and to see where to interject and when to hold back. Yeah, I think with kids, too, I mean, you know, and I'm speaking from my experience is if you don't. If you don't show them an animal um, or you don't get them in that, you know, even if they don't harvest or kill, however you look at it, um, yeah. get them in that situation to where there's an opportunity. I think they tend to lose a little bit of an in interest um, mm -hmm. because they're, they're looking for that, that finish, you know, that right now yeah. type finish. And that's a hard well, balance. It, 
And don't we all? <laughs> yeah, we do. Don't but I we think all with need kids, that? With kids, it's, it's a, a little bit more. Yeah, it's a hard yeah. balance because you want them to be interested in it because you understand the values in it. Um, but you don't want to hand it to them on a on a plate with a silver spoon. No, it's a, it's a struggle. It's I think it's been a long and I don't think that we've done it on purpose. But the whole time that I've been hunting, the kids have slowly been learning as I have been learning. And so this summer I've been prepping for for hunting seat for deer hunting season by myself. And it has been something new for me to be managing all of that this year. Um, but the kids are walking alongside of me through every step of that. So the kids are carrying out minerals. The kids are helping clear. The kids are helping, um, looking for tracks and, and all of that. And so I think that they are slowly being ingrained and shown how things work. Um, last season, uh, the day I saw the buck, the albino buck, I got an eight point right behind him. And so there was the reward that day of harvesting an animal. Um, But I brought the kids out and they were able to see how to field dress right there in person. And, um, And it's those slow little interjections that I think it won't overwhelm them as much if they got hit with it all in one day. And worst case scenario is at least you have someone to carry your minerals and everything. So. Heck yeah. <laughs> that's why we had them. <laughs> Put them to work. Yeah, that's it. A little yeah. bit of sweat on their part saves us some uh, back aches in the morning. Yeah. And they learned that it's not it's not a handout. It isn't uh we don't just go out and and a deer walks straight into our path because we got lucky. It it has been a culmination of years of working toward this and sometimes there's nothing and sometimes you get rewarded for it but it'll be it'll be fun no it'll be fun this year just to see them experience that so who is who is itching to go out and actually uh take something of their own are they both rearing for it are they uh just kind of um i think that they're both excited to get into a stand um, I don't know if either one will release or, or pull the trigger. Like, I don't, I don't know which one would do that yet. Um, they're both very similar. They're both, they're 20 months apart. So, um, they're very similar in that it'll be interesting. Probably my son, he loves he loves all of that kind of stuff, but my daughter's a little more tenderhearted. And that's, um, I, I had the same scenario. So both mine, I think my daughter was probably around 10 or 11 when she did her hunter safety yeah. and my boy did it at the same time. And I want to say he was six or seven and yeah. uh, she, she could not, would not pull the trigger on anything. <laughs> um, yeah. Put a, put a quail in her sights and she looked up at me all teary eyed and, and I said, hey, it's your choice. I'm not going to force you to do this. And she yeah. looked at me and just shook her head like, no, this isn't for me. I'll eat it, yeah. but I'm not shooting it. Yeah. I could see, I could see my daughter being there. I can see, but I can also see her competitive nature. If my son gets something, um, that competitive nature come out and say, well, if he can do it, I can do it. Um, 
but yeah, there would be no pressure either way, but it, it'll be interesting to see who, who will actually go through with it. Yeah. What were their ages again? Uh, I've got 11 and nine. So here in Tennessee, you can't take hunter safety till you're nine. Yeah. So they're right there. They're right there. They're right there, but they want to be in a stand so bad um, just to be a part of it. My husband and I, I think we draw straws when it's in October and November and December on who gets to go right now. (laughs) Alone. Who has to stay with the kids and who gets to go. Well, it'd be nice. I mean, you get some, you know, some double stands and, you know, you take one one time and he takes one one time. Yeah, we've got a double stand and a single stand. So it'll be a good year to to see who wants to go. It'll be fun. Who wants to wake up in the morning? That will be the big thing. And then we'll see who's racing to the single stand after. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So let's talk yeah. about the uh, 2018 season a little bit. And that'll include yeah. uh, that albino buck. Yeah. Um, 2018 was a good season. I had just come off of, um, 2017. I got nothing. Um, I felt like it was like, I was cursed. (laughs) It was all full of squirrels and birds, um, and a bobcat, which it was too far for me to even think about taking, but, um, but it, It was just a bummer of a season. So starting 2018, I was like, okay, this is my year. Um, We need food on the table. Our freezer was empty. Um, It was just, 2017 really was just a crappy year for hunting for us. And so I was really excited about this last season starting. and, um, And so that was actually the first deer I got this season was the eight point right after the buck, the albino buck. And so we were, I was sitting in the stand. I just had an archery tournament that I'd been to that morning with my daughter. And I thought it's a beautiful day. Um, it's a little cool. It's, but the sun shines out. It had just rained the night before. I thought this, this will be nice. And so I went out and I sat in the stand and the wind picked up and I was getting bummed out and it was gorgeous, but that wind, it was pretty strong and it worried me a little bit. And the albino buck came right up over my left shoulder. And like you said, you kind of take that double take of what am I looking at? Is that, is that real? Is it a ghost? Is it, what am I looking at? And when it, when it set in, he had come right underneath me and was right in front of me. And it was, it was, like I said, just, it was kind of a humble um, experience because you can't shoot it. Um, you can just enjoy looking at it. Um, I texted the people who own the property that we hunt on. I texted them and let them know what I was looking at. And it was, in essence, in their backyard. And he hung out for about 30 minutes, walked up into the back. And all of a sudden, I I noticed that he was joined by an eight point, a big, huge eight point. And I thought, thank you, Lord. (laughs) Thank you. Please just walk this way. And he did. And it felt almost like it was a reward for obeying the law. 
like, okay, you obeyed the law. Here is your your reward. Um, And I took him and immediately after I shot him, I mean, he dropped not, not even 50 yards from where I shot him. And the albino buck walked right on by, like right in the path that the other buck went through. And, um, and so I sat there for a little while and texted my head, you know, you always text the person that you want to want to know. I just got a buck. Um, and I said, bring the kids, bring the kids because I wanted them to see the process of everything. And 2018 was kind of my, what I felt like was my independent year. Um, I've always had to depend on my husband for transporting, helping to drag. I'm 5'2", like 120. Like I'm not a very large person. And so I've always kind of depended on him. And this year I got a jet sled. And I will tell you that thing is amazing to be able to drag a deer out without help. And then I have a, um, like a hitch on the back of my car and I can just tip the jet sled right on top of it and bungee it down. And I can train, like I can do it all by myself now. And it feels so good to be able to do that. That, you know, that you're saying that, I mean, that's kind of something that, I would take for granted, right? I mean, I really like the pack out part. I mean, for our hunting here, we don't, you know, we're not dragging dragging a deer, and no offense, yeah, uh, most no, times uh-uh. to the road, right? We're having to quarter it out, um, right? You know, and pack it out. And I look forward to the the work in that. Um, yes, but I think I would have taken it for granted if I was, you know what I mean? If I was getting help and I I wasn't able, I never thought about that. Like that's yeah. part of that, that's part of that whole process, right? Uh-huh. Especially when you're yeah. by yourself, that solo experience and then being able to, you know, start to finish that. Um, yeah. I never even would have thought of that. Yeah. It opens, I mean, it's a different demographic. It's a different, like I've always gone into hunting for the, for the three years before this last season, I've always gone in, okay, well, is he available to come help me? Or is somebody else available to come help me if I go in by myself? I've always had to think of it that way. And this last year, being able to conquer that and figure out those logistics, I can now say, drop the kids off at school and go sit in a stand all by myself and not have to worry about making a phone call. You think that limited you? Yeah, it did limit me in the past. I I definitely would think that. I would enjoy hunting with my husband if we had the opportunity to do that. It would be great, but um, it feels really good to have that independence now. And um, I do know that if I ever got into a spot that I needed help, I can call him. That's not a big deal. But being able to have the ability to do things by myself, it it also feels really, really good. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I, yep. I think I would have overlooked that or taken that for granted and not, you know, again, not given that any consideration. Yeah. Yeah. That's a uh, wonder how he feels about it. She don't need me. <laughs> <laughs> I think that there's a little bit of, um, I think it gives him a little breather 
of a, um, not that he's not needed. I don't think he ever feels like that, but I think it gives him a little bit of a, okay, she's going to be okay. Um, and probably I would hope just a little bit of pride. I was going to say, there's a, probably a ton of pride that comes along with it. Yeah. And being able to figure it out. And it was my uncle who suggested the jet sled. So I've got to give him major props for, for that. I just bungee, bungee the deer down and go. And it's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. So with the albino buck, um, that thing got you all kind of attention and he did, uh, I think he did a couple podcasts and we're on the news and whatnot. Yeah. You know, it, it happened right before Thanksgiving and we were away on Thanksgiving and all of a sudden I started getting phone calls. Hey, you're on the news, you're on the local news. And I had no idea, um, a, that they were going to put the story on the news, but they didn't give me any credit at all. So I had to make a couple phone calls and make sure that, That's my that they get credit. <laughs> where credit's due, not just because I was the hunter that saw it, but because I'm a photographer. And, and that's my, that's who I am. That's my name. And so, um, we cleared a couple things up and then before I knew it within the week, it went global. Um, and on the news, you don't make any money off of any of that, but it was just, it was neat to see everything go out. There's good publicity that comes with it. There's bad, (laughs) there's bad stuff that comes with it. Um, you just kind of have to overlook it. The Fox News lady that wrote the article, I think she's done a good job of deleting the really nasty stuff, but um, there are some great names that came from it. What's funny about that, though, is you didn't shoot the albino. I didn't. <laughs> the albino was able to walk, so it's like, well, you got this thing on. It, it kept going. I know. It was the flack that I got was, well, you opened it up to, um, to people who wanted to poach and people didn't understand where I was hunting and, um, the neighborhoods that we were in, unless you're bow hunting, you can't hunt within the city limits with a gun. Um, he's very protected by the neighborhood that we're in. Um, and again, I didn't shoot it. There were a couple of news agencies that actually the title was, photographer, no, not photographer, hunter shoots albino deer. And then in small little bitty writing, it said with the camera. (laughs) (laughs) Go figure. So if you didn't read the article, there were two things. If you didn't read the article, then a lot of people were, were thinking, oh, she shot it or he, because the other part was, if you didn't read the article, a lot of people assumed it was a man. Um, there were a lot of people who didn't read the article that in the comments, it was he, 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 and, um, because the title said Hunter. And so they automatically assumed it was a man, which was very interesting to me. So, well, that, Uh, that segues into a whole other conversation. (laughs) (laughs) It does, doesn't it? It really, Uh, really does. Um, Yeah. That's okay. So I got a couple things here. Let me let me gather my thoughts because I was trying not to laugh as you were saying it because I could hear it in your voice. Um, so actually, I'm kind of surprised. So I don't know if we touched on that, that you're in Tennessee, um, not yes. exactly the the Western contours that uh, 
that we're used to here. <laughs> but, um, you know, the the women or female demographic of hunting is pretty important to me. So, um, yeah, that's, you know, that's how we connected. And that's one of the conversations that we've had previously. And that's why we're talking. So this yeah. is in Tennessee. Um, explain to us why. Uh, and I don't get it. The The albino deer is. It's a, a genetic anomaly. Um, it could be in a herd and it may not show itself, you know, ever. Um, and you might get one out of a hundred. So it's not like it's a, I mean, I understand, yes, it's a rarity, but it is yeah. a genetic anomaly. So typically when we look at management of a herd, things of that nature, you're you're trying to cull that stuff out of there, right? Bad genetics, things like that. I don't know enough about the albino gene to understand how, that would work in a management scheme, but the fact that you cannot hunt it is, is a little bit odd to me. Yeah. I don't think, I think it's, I mean, I think it's more States than not. You can shoot an albino deer. I, I think that the, the number of States that you can't is very low. I mean, I want to say it's 10 States or lower that you can't shoot an albino deer. And there are multiple reasons depending on the state uh, some states do it because it's um, the Native American community believes it's a spirit and it's out of respect to that community, um, depending on which state. Uh, there are some states that because they just claim because of its rarity, you can't shoot it. Um, I honestly believe that the Tennessee reason for it is a mixture of both plus a political stance on it. Um and I, it might be because they don't want the backlash of if they let it become legal, what that will come from. Um, Nashville, especially, is is a pretty um, liberal city. Um, Why do we hesitate when we say that? Because <laughs> they don't hesitate when they say we hate hunters. They don't. They don't. And so I think that it, there's a little bit of a political stance here in Tennessee, but I think that it's also just considered the rarity. I'm not a biologist either. I've talked to my husband about it. I've talked to TWRA, which is our, um, our wildlife association here. And honestly, what I get is, you know, you can have a brown deer give birth to an albino deer. Um, you can have a brown deer give birth to piebalds. You can get uh, a white deer that gives birth to two brown deer. So it's the genetic part of it, just because it, it's a white deer doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to reproduce that it's the that. only one. Right. right. Something right. special. I mean, it, okay. I shouldn't say it like that, but maybe it is something special, but on the other side of yeah. it, you know, it's, it's a. Yeah. And so when you're thinking about management, if you want the deer, then it might not necessarily, I don't know, you're shooting brown deer. That was also another comment that we got a lot, that white deer or brown deer matter, um, which takes it into a whole different realm yeah. of where we could take it. But it's, when it comes down to it, law is law. And, um, and whether it's one way or another, you just have to make sure that you know what those laws are. I don't want my hunting license taken away. I don't want to have to pay a fine. I don't want to have to lose a deer. Um, so you follow the rules. That's it. Yeah, because I the thought of losing my hunting license, I start to sob. Oh, uh, <laughs> I worked hard for it. I'm not gonna. 
So when I posted, I, I reposted that video and I had a few people go, you know, where is this at? You know, and I said, you can't shoot <laughs> yeah. them. They're like, oh, that's full on legal here. That thing would be down. Um, yeah. And I think the general, a lot of places it is. yeah, I think the general consensus is you see that thing walk across your stand or, I mean, even here, um, you know, and I, I told you that when I saw that albino doe, um, if it had forks on it and that would have made it legal, I, I would have taken that deer. Um, had yeah. it been legal to take in this state. Um, I mean, can you imagine a full body mount on that? It would have been gorgeous. Heck yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I told you that, I think we've, that I had somebody after I posted that a guy sent, let me look at it. A guy sent me, uh, several pictures off of his trail cam. And I want to say, he oh, said in Tennessee, were, right? Yeah. And he can't even do anything <laughs> about it. He has, let me, let me open that. I think I told you, he said he had four of them. Yeah. It's just crazy to me. It's amazing. And we do in our community where we live right now, we have a whole herd of piebalds. Um, but that's legal to shoot in Tennessee. What? Okay, um, so where's the difference? I'd, so they the definition of a piebald deer is it is a brown deer with white spots. And if you look at its eyes, it's a brown deer. If you look at the hooves, it's a brown deer. Um, the nose is a brown deer. And then, the, but the albino deer, like the guy that the buck that I saw, his hoofs were pink, his nose was pink, his eyes were light blue. Um, people kept saying, "Oh, he's got brown spots on the back of his legs." I was like, "No, that's not that's his glands. <laughs> that's his glands. You just don't notice them that much when you're looking at a brown buck." Um, so it, there are different markings. A lot of times they say, "Look at the eyes." Look, um, look at the nose, look at the hoofs, and um, that will tell you whether it's pure albino or not. That's crazy. So, piebald deer look completely like a brown deer. They just have white spots. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's uh, – Yeah. So, they got a – I wonder – I would love to hear – I'm going to have to read up on that. Love to hear the difference between the two because it has to be something with that gene. I mean, it's like it's fighting it yeah. or something. Like if you go down to the DNA of it, it's got to be – Yeah. Different. Yeah. What's crazy yeah. is you look at the pictures when they're in velvet, the albinos. And, oh, they're gorgeous. And, and I mean, it's white on white. It is the craziest yeah. looking thing. Yeah, they are absolutely gorgeous. Um, I can't. Yeah, I'd love to see him again this year. We had talked about that last night um, in the group that we're in. There's kind of mixed emotions with seeing it again this year. It's kind of like throwing it in your face. You can't shoot it anymore. Um, but there's also kind of a good feeling of it's he's still there. And most albino deer don't make it that long. And so to see one age out is pretty cool. Yeah, that is. That, uh, yeah, so I'm looking at the pictures that I got sent, and he said that there he has three of them. It's not four. There's three on one farm. I don't know the size of the farm, and yeah, it's in yeah. Tennessee. Yeah, yeah, they're all flocking here. <laughs> well, they know you can't do nothing about it. <laughs> it's true. It's true. We're the safe state. Yeah. Who knows? What if our numbers get way up? They might change the law. I doubt it. I mean, if you're if you're talking uh, about emotion when it comes to hunting. Um, you know, and, and who the lawmakers, um, they're always going to go to the emotion because the, um, the, the touchy feelies are outweigh us in numbers. 
100 percent yeah so backing up a little bit with the uh he 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 hunter uh yeah why don't you why don't you touch on that a little bit you know it's a there were some girlfriends of mine who said, well, did that offend you? And I said, it doesn't offend me. It just, it makes me realize people didn't read the article, um, before they responded. And, um, and I think when they did respond, when they did find out it was a girl, they were kind of surprised. Um, I've, uh, it's funny when people find out that I'm a hunter, that they look at me and they go, wait, you, you're a hunter. Um, and it's, it's, I enjoy seeing the shock on their face because it's never, I don't normally here in Tennessee, I don't get a whole lot of negative responses about it to who I come in contact with. So it's kind of a fun experience to kind of catch people off guard with that. Um, it's, I was talking with, Oh, who was that? Talk- oh, Bruce from Whitetail Rendezvous. And he said, uh, oh, we were talking about um, social media and how, you know, we say social media is the death of us and how it's so difficult and all of that. And that has been actually one of the things that has connected me with more women in this industry. Um it's hard even in the state of Tennessee to reach out my arms and touch some, another woman that hunts. And so it's really neat to be connected through social media and through the internet to be able to, um, have conversations and community with men and women, but women, especially to be able to talk about, you know, how do you drag a deer out? How, how do you do things on your own? Those kind of things. Um, but yeah, being a woman in hunting, I've, I read an article. There were two articles that I read. One was by, oh, it was on Gear Junkie. I've got it on my Instagram, um, the link to it. But it was Nicole uh, Qualtiari. I think that's how you say her last name. Um, and it was an article that was, it's time we kill these five topics about women. And it kind of hit some of the topics that you and I have talked about, including pink. Um, uh, But it's five questions that women usually get. Do you really hunt? Do you really fish? Is that really something that you do? Um, And that's an easy one. Yes. (laughs) Yes, I do. Um, Another one is, why do women cry when they hunt? And I kind of want to turn it around and say, well, why do men cry when they hunt? Well, that's because it, I read that article an, and yeah, yeah, I've had my share, share of tears on, on, the, yeah. on the goods and you saw that on the, the my Wyoming film. I just didn't put the yeah. tears on that video. <laughs> yeah, but they're there. And so I, I would say that's not really, she answered it one way, but the way that I think of it, it's the emotion that comes from hunting, good and bad, it crosses genders. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman or a child. It, it, there's an emotion that comes from it, from putting hard work in and either being victorious or failing and true emotion comes out of that. Um, so 
I don't know. It kept going. And with all of the things, do you want to be called a huntress or a hunter? Dude, I'm a hunter. Okay. So yeah. I'm guilty of that one. Right. And and I yeah. read that article and I started laughing. And uh, <laughs> but, I, but honestly, you, I think the only reason that I don't, and I will hashtag huntress every now and then, but the only reason that it rubs me the wrong way is because, um, a couple of people who have responded to articles, uh, took the H out of Huntress and replaced it with a C. And it ta- it takes that word that shouldn't shouldn't be negative. Huntress shouldn't be a negative thing. And now it's kind of put almost a negative connotation to it. And that's me. That's just a response that I have to it now. Um, but I don't think that it's... I don't necessarily think that it's wrong one way or another. You can call me a huntress. You can call me a hunter. I'm perfectly fine with it. It's like calling an actress uh, an actor or an actress. It doesn't really matter. But but doesn't that um, go back to the, oh, you hunt? Oh, you fish, <laughs> right? I yeah. mean, are you a... Yeah. I, so it, to me, and, and we talked about it earlier, right? You're, you're going from walking out into the stand, you know, zero dark 30, and you're leaving the stand at 4.30 and you're dragging your deer behind you. However you're getting that deer yeah. out, you have completed that from A to Z on your own, right? Yeah. So there's yep. no – that's a hunter. It's the same thing I do. It's the same thing that, that Tom, Dick, Harry, uh, Susie, Joe, and, you know, whoever. It, it's the same thing. So yeah. there's We're no, all hunters. Yeah, there's no hunter he-man or – you know what I mean? It just – it's really weird to me that there has to be a line – when we start talking yeah. about a woman that hunts and a man that hunts, um, I think the only difference in in any of that is a youth hunter. Yes. But as far as men and women go, we're we're hunters. There's there's women that are killing more stuff than me. They're they're packing in deeper than me. Um, mm-hmm. They've packed out more animals than me. They're way more proficient, you know, with their with their weapons than me. So to I don't know. It, for me, it almost belittles it, right? It, it almost yeah. belittles hunting, not not the yeah. person so much, but something that I'm very passionate about, and and I think yeah. that's why it drives me crazy. And then there is a, I want to call it a stereotype, but it's not so <laughs> much a stereotype when, and more power to them, right? And I'm a living, breathing man with eyes, but when you got. Mm-hmm a misrepresentation of hunting and it's the bikini days oh of butt hanging yes. out, right? That's the yeah. stuff that drives me crazy because it belittles a yes. woman's effort in the same pursuit that I'm in. And that's, I think, honest, where my problem comes from. Honestly, the only, so before I started hunting and before I started thinking about, am I a hunter or a huntress? Um, and this, no offense to anybody out there who does the bikini, whatever. Um, I am a mom. I am a hardworking woman who works hard to be able to do something like this. And you're not going to find me in a bikini. You're not going to find me like posting pictures like that on social media. But I, I kind of put those kind, those type of people into a huntress. Um, nameplate. Like I kind of put those two together. If I'm serious about this, which I am, if I'm passionate about passing it on, if I'm passionate about 
mentoring and bringing more women into this, not everybody, not every woman is going to look like those women who are putting themselves out there like that. And I would rather reach normal women who are moms, who, who are single, who are learning, who are students. Like I, I want to represent a hunter, not a body type. And so on the other side of that too, I mean, there's, and I can think of, what is it? It's Colorado Mountain Huntress. Um, there's PNW mm-hmm. Huntress and yep. um, New Mexico Huntress. Matter of fact, I did an episode with Katie, um, and they are killing it. I mean, they are. Yes, you know they are. I mean? They're going out and yes, they're they getting are. it done. And and yeah. they're real women. Yeah, and not to yep. say that the other women aren't real. I don't want to take anything away from what no. they're doing, right? But it it's just weird how it kind of classifies you and I guess that's the struggle that I've had with it and I and and I struggled with it for a while and I would bring it up all the time when I had a woman on the podcast trying to understand <laughs> it um and then it just I don't understand it either me. well it kind of faded <laughs> for me and and, and it actually yeah. you know doing this more and more and more and talking to more women in it um it, it kind of like I said for me it just seems like it belittles the pursuit on a whole now if you're going out in a <laughs> bikini and you're laying stuff down, more power to you. (laughs) More power to you. I just, so I think that I would take it a little bit. I would, I would take the belittling there, but I would also put out the fact that it's distracting. Um, It's distracting from like my point of having an Instagram account with all of my hunting stuff is because I am a hunter and, and I want to help people learn more about hunting. I want them to be excited. I want to encourage people in it. I want them to laugh. I like it. There's a whole community about it, but, um, I don't want to distract from that. I want the main focus to be on conservation and on hunting and, um, and what the hunting community does for our lands. And I think that yes, it belittles, but it also distracts. And the distraction, I mean, that, it's kind of a in, in from where I'm sitting, right? And I'm making an assumption, broad stroking. Um, yeah. It almost puts you in a category, whether or not you want to be there as a woman, right? It almost yeah. belittles the pursuit, and, and women are a huge portion of our demographic. And it's been said over and over that it's the fastest growing demographic in hunting which is pretty important considering we, we always hear, you know, our numbers are declining, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's pretty important to uphold your side of things and have yep. some pride in that from the men and the other women that are in this pursuit. Yeah. I want, I want to be taken seriously. Um, I want to be taken seriously, but I also, um, I, Man, it's just, that's a hard, that's a touchy, a touchy place. I don't want to put women down and I want to lift them up, but I also want to call, I want to call them out for the responsibility that they have to this community, to the hunting community. Um, And, and I want, I kind of want to tell them that, you know, you're, if you're putting, if you're putting animals down, if you're, if you're doing the job, then that should be able to stand on its own. Um, 
and I want my daughter to look up to these women, not just me. Um, but there are some women that I really, I don't want her to, to focus on. Um, there are a lot of great women out there that, that are wonderful role models in our community. And like you said, we are, we are hightailing it up there on how many women are getting involved, but we are also, uh, we have the highest dropout in the hunting community. And I think that that's a hard, that's a hard fact to see. Um, they're not sticking with it for the long haul. And I'm sure there are a lot of different reasons for that, whether they have families that for a little while, they have to take a step back from what they're doing or, um, or maybe they just don't have the community to surround them where they are. Yep. Yeah. Because it's not as fast as it's growing. um, It's not the focal point that it could be, in my opinion, should be um, when you start talking about growing the hunting community overall. Um, And one of the, one of the things that has kind of opened my eyes to it. And I've looked at it like if, the more women that are out there, the more kids that are going to be out there and the more hunters we yes. have across the board. Right. Yes. <laughs> because yes. it's been and, and I'm, I'm again, broad stroking. Traditionally, when the man goes off and hunts, it's with, you know, by himself or, uh, you know, the other men in the family or a group of buddies and the women and the kids stay home. They wait for the harvest. Um, yeah. You know, like like it's 1880. Um but again, to grow the community that we keep saying is dropping off and falling off in numbers, one would think that the smart thing to do would be to get you all out in the field. Those kids are going to be in tow, right? Because the hubs didn't want to go to sit. I know if it was me, I wouldn't want to sit in the house while you went and hunted. No, uh-uh. <laughs> I'd be chopping no, at the No, we're going to do bit. it as a family. Yeah. So let's get out yeah. there and like we said, you know, get, get the double stands up. Um, or get four pair of boots instead of two. And we just grew that. We just, you know, opened up license sales and we just, we might've started a family tradition and that carries on for the next three or four generations. I mean, that's the kind of effect that I see it having, potentially having, if we can get that demographic to take hold and respect it the way I think it should and can be respected. Yeah. I think we've got, it's twofold. I think that and I think that men are doing a great job um, of encouraging uh, women into it. I, I know that I have, I don't think that I've been discouraged once by a gentleman, by a hunter, by another hunter, okay. one way or another. I so have, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it real here. So yeah. maybe we don't discourage, maybe we encourage, but just... And just for the lack of a better example, if you go on Instagram and you look at the bikini bow and we have a problem with it, there's 33,000 likes. And then you got you and, you know, a hundred other women out there actually kicking it in the ass, excuse my language. um, And you get 15 likes. Right. So it's like, (laughs) yeah, we're pushing it. Yeah, we want it. Uh, And I'm not going to make the we're men excuse. But it, it, yeah. it, it doesn't, it doesn't weigh out, right? I might catch some heat yeah. for that, but I don't give a. Well, I don't, I think that you're having, I think that those kind of pictures are also picking up from non-hunters. Like you're getting likes, like the people who like my pictures are hunters. Right. No, I understand um, that. I understand that. But so, I, 
but I can't, but I can't say that I've never gone, oh, double tap. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, yeah. you know, being real yeah. about it. Oh, boom, boom. Right. And I'm sitting here going, oh, I got a problem yeah. with it. And I've actually checked myself on that um, a lot in, in recent months where it's like, well, how do I yeah. have a problem with this? You know, okay, unfollow it. Um, yeah. It, it just. I think men who have daughters <laughs> are noticing a difference too. And I think that they are beginning to check because they want their kids out there, whether they're their sons or their daughters. And um, I've gotten a couple of responses. I think Colin even said at one point, you know, it's really great to have women out there who still stand for their values and for, um, for the hunting community. Tennessee is actually doing a great job of, I didn't even know about this until I sat down with TWRA and they they have a women's outdoor weekend, and it includes um, kayaking, camping, outdoor cooking, game cooking, um, hunting, archery, like all of those things. And yes, it's like, ooh, it's a field trip for women. At the same time, you're meeting women from all over the state who are in your same community. Um, and so you're connecting to women that might be a hundred miles from you, but who might say, Hey, why don't you come up this summer or this fall and come hunting one weekend, or you want to do turkey hunting in the spring. So there's, there's ways that I feel like at least I know that Tennessee putting this together, they're trying to connect women together so that that drop off rate, um, doesn't continue that we're supporting each other and lifting each other up. Cause it's not like I can be like, Hey, uh, Joe, I'm going to come. Can I come to your hunt camp and hang out and hunt one weekend? It there's, there's some demographics there that sometimes just don't work. Whereas Chip, my husband could, um, could go like meet a guy and say, Hey, why don't we get together in three weeks and go hunt? blah, 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 blah. Um, so I think that that's kind of where your drop-off rate is going to, trying to find somebody who can mentor you if your spouse doesn't hunt. And there's um, some, I, I, there's, there's a few women in, in hunting that impress me. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I say a few because maybe I don't know as many, um, but you know, like, I'll, and I'll just give the IG names cause it's easier. Uh, but New Mexico Huntress, she hunts Washington, um, yeah. gathering health. Um, and that's just the tip of the iceberg as far as I'm concerned. But you're talking women that are going out and persevering and preparation and just pounding everything out the same way. And I mean, just consistently getting it done. Um, Carrie, she, she's amazing. I mean, I, I can't say enough about her. I, I'm scared. I would be scared to hunt next to her. <laughs> um, it, it, is, it is crazy. But these are yeah. perfect examples of what you're talking about. And then some yeah. of the some of the programs. And I don't want to say they're programs like uh, Captain James Nash with Six Ranch Outfitters. He does a, a like a woman's. I think it's a week. I could be I could be messing that up. But he just uh, they do a fly fishing um, seminar on his property in, uh, in Eastern Oregon there. And it's just a women's fly fishing clinic week. And, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, it's just like, that's, that's awesome. Um, yeah. and I don't want to say it like I'm 
that sounded bad the way I said it. No. But I think it's just, I, I just think it's important. Again, for me, it is opening more opportunities to get more hunters in and keep yeah. and start a tradition in those families, yeah. you know? Have you, have you heard, do you know Joella Bates? No. Do you know who that is? So She's, you're, you're going to talk whitetail and tree stands and yeah. I'm not going to have a clue. Well, <laughs> no. So Joella Bates, actually, she is on the Olympic archery team. Um, she lives here in Tennessee and I think a little bit in Arkansas, she has some camps that she does around town or around the country, but she was the first woman to hunt down the big five with a bow. The African-Americans, uh, I mean, African animals, the big, the top five African animals with a bow. She's the first one. And she was one of the first women that I connected with um, when I started looking into hunting and, and actually getting my carrying permit. Um, I was pointed in her direction. And with as busy as she is, the time that she took out to answer questions and kind of lean into me, um, it, it was huge for me to be able to hear from her. Um, I mean, she's, she's for real. She knows what she's doing, um, to be on the Olympic team for archery. That's pretty great. Um, she knows what she's talking about and she's actually really in big into, um, into the NASP program and the 3d archery for schools. Um, and so it's really cool to see women, not just her, but other women, um, that are yes, involved in hunting, but also involved in mentoring. Mm -hmm. So how receptive I mean, when you're going into something like that and you're reaching out and you're trying to make those connections um, to learn from another woman or be mentored by another woman, how receptive have you found the community? Has it been um, open arms or has there been, you know, like, eh? I, I have actually gotten more encouragement and I'm not talking like cheap, like, Oh, you're a hunter, like real encouragement and real answers and, and all of that from men rather than women. Um, there have maybe been, uh, there's only one probably that when I've really reached out, um, has given me some good advice and good pointers and things. So do, um, you, do you think that that is a lack of information uh, yes. Or maybe not knowing or being. I think it's a lack of information. I think it's kind of a, a focus on still learning. Um, I don't, I don't, I, I, there are a couple of women in my life right now who are behind me a couple of steps and I'm like, come on, let's, I don't, I am an encourager. I'm a cheerleader. I am a, I'm like, how many more women can we get involved? I've, I've gotten three women this year to do their hunter safety course. And that's not including my kids. That's complete, you know, different families, different. And it's, it's exciting to encourage women. So I don't know. I don't, 
I'm not the kind of person who would say, I know everything because I do not. I am the one who will be asking the questions. But when I learn what those answers are, I'll be the first one to pass that information on. Right. And I think maybe uh, maybe I asked the question wrong or you misunderstood me. But when I'm, I'm saying when yeah. you're reaching out, have have they been receptive um, when you reach out to other women uh, hunters? Oh, below. Just, yes. uh, you know, people that have that you may think that have the information because they've been doing it for X amount of years and you reach out. Have they been receptive and welcoming and, hey, you know, come on, I'll tell you what you need to know. Um. It, well, and like I said, that one, Joella Bates, she has she has given she's given me great information. Honestly, I don't know enough women to ask. Um, And it's not like I can send. I don't know the the big the top women that are everywhere the Eva Shockies like it's not like I can send her a PM or a DM and say hey I got some questions for you. Well, um, and that's what I was asking because I'd be really curious, right? If yeah, if well, I sent a couple says. of questions. I've sent a couple questions that way, and I have not gotten anything in response. Right. So. I- Yes. And see, um, that's disappointing. Right. And I understand, right. You yeah. get to a certain level and there's probably somebody running that account. But, 100%. Yes. But to represent this sport or lifestyle or passion, however you want to look at it and to understand and to grasp the importance of growing the demographic and growing not just women, but hunters, period, um, some level of responsiveness needs to be there if you're yeah. one of those call it icons right yeah. there needs to be yeah. some level of i can't imagine how many dms in eva shockey or a cameron haynes or a brian yeah. paul i get it there's probably hundreds upon thousands they can't get to them yeah. all i cannot i cannot even imagine trying to manage all of that and that's what i chalked it up to you right and um, i just hope that there is some level of response going out when it's someone reaching out and saying you know please share your experience as a new hunter as a woman of you know whatever the situation is um yeah yeah that's well a, i'm the kind i'm the kind of person that hey you can knock on my door anytime you can dm me anytime if i don't know the answer i'm going to tell you i don't know but i'm going to tell you i'm going to try to find out for you and I'm going to encourage you no matter what. So that's fun. But yeah, that's, it's, it, she was that Joella Bates, that's, and she is more East Coast. She is Tennessee. She's, um, but it was really cool to have that. And she was actually one of the ones that encouraged me to get into coaching archery. Yeah. So. The only thing we didn't talk about is your favorite color. <laughs> Blue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's really funny. My daughter hates pink. It is her least favorite color, but one of her best friends who is a boy, it's his favorite color. <laughs> you see that more and more, especially here in California. Oh, uh-huh, I bet. But no, pink, 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 pink. Um. Oh, the pink. So, so it, it, I'm I'm, I'm trying, I'm I'm trying to be very safe and watch my mouth. So (laughs) I get it. Right. And, and, and I think I said this to you, uh, when we talked the other day is I get it right. Let's Mm -hmm. make it, 
more girly. I mean, as, if you want to talk about a stereotype. Um, oh, my God. Yes. I tease my wife. I'm like, hey, I want to get you that rifle or I want to get you that shotgun. I want to get you that bow. Uh, you want that pink one? And she's like, oh, nah. my God. You know, she wants <laughs> she wants a black rifle. She's like, you know, give yes. me give me give me chrome or give me that that black one there. Or, you know, what about green? But uh, the pink thing, yeah. I get to a I point. I get what they're trying to do. Yeah. I get what they're trying to do. I just, and let me, I've got a few things to say about it. Um, first of all, I didn't want a pink gun because I wanted my gun to look like a gun. I, I didn't want my gun to look like a toy. Um, I want my kids to know that with gun safety, you know, this is no matter what color it is, you don't assume that it's unloaded. Like, I, but I wanted a gun to look like a gun. Um, I have, I have a problem with pink camo because in deer season, whatever, it's not that big of a deal. They're colorblind in turkey season. It's a huge freaking deal. Um, it's a huge deal that they make all of most, I shouldn't say all, but most of the women's t-shirts are V cut. Well, I have to worry about covering skin or wear a child's t-shirt because I am a smaller person. In fact, I hunt in a child in a youth large set of bibs and jacket for deer hunting. That means money saved and more into weapons. It is. It is. But it's, it's not built the same way as an adult's camo. It, it doesn't have the insulation that an adult's camo would have. Um, and I was reading articles about blaze pink being legalized in a few states. And I think it's a problem because for hundreds of years, you wear blaze orange. Hunters are looking for blaze orange. Uh, they're not looking for pink. And I don't know if it's something that they can really put a whole lot of um, of emphasis on and growing that information. But until until it becomes bigger, I think I feel like it could be a safety issue. And yes, they say blaze pink should be, more visible can be more visible than blaze orange. But again, when I go out in the field, I'm looking for blaze orange. I don't know. I, I think, I think I would, we, we become complacent to things that we're used to. Right. So yes. I could, if somebody walks by me in the woods with pink, I'm going to, I know, I know You're it's going to catch my them. eye, right. It's yes, going to definitely catch, catch my eye. eye. So I yes. think we get complacent to things that we're used to. Um, yeah. And then that orange, I mean, you know, there's times in, in fall um, and yet yeah, doesn't blend in, blend in. But that orange is going to be a lot more hidden than the pink. That the, is true. The issue that, that is I true. have with it more than anything is it's still drawing a flipping line in the sand. Yes. With this. Between demog- women, women yeah, and men. With yep. the demographic. Yep. And that's the problem that drives me crazy. Yeah. You know. I mean, you're not wearing your camo doesn't have blue on it. No. Like you don't have this blue line as a header across your neck or across the writing or baby blue. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, you don't. You don't have 
it's it, you wear camo. You wear camo. I wear camo. Um, in turkey season, it's a major problem if I've got pink all over my camo. Um, so I don't know. I I go back and forth. Like you have said, if it gets more women in, that's great. But at the same time, if you're interested in hunting, the color shouldn't matter. And that's just the... That's just the bottom line. It's whether it's purple, pink, or plain. I, I don't know. I'm so okay. I'm sorry. I'm gonna buy what's cheapest. <laughs> so so we talk about okay. So we're gonna use pink to get women in, right? I mean, right. That's effing stupid. It shouldn't be the color. Well, you it, should be spending the money on community and on support and on education and. Um, and on ways to keep women in. I don't well, think get, there's a problem with getting women in. Just getting women in and saying, hey, you could do this too. I don't yeah. need to put you in pink to show you no. that you're welcome to do this or you're able to do this or you're just as capable as half the guys that are posted on Instagram, the same damn animal for six years. I, yeah. The pink, I don't know. I don't need to be reminded that I'm a girl when I put my camo exactly. on. Exactly. That that you're different in this thing that, okay, it's right. predominantly been men, you know, you're out. And it, we're so far from from the true concept of hunter-gatherer provider um, yeah. in this day and age that it's ridiculous, in my opinion, that there's things that we do that hold on to that. And, and yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, it's like what's her face said in that article, Nicole said in that article, she said, when I'm fixed on a deer or a fish or a bear or whatever, like I'm paraphrasing what she said, when I'm fixed on that animal and I'm about to pull a trigger or let loose of that bow or, or catch, you know, that pull on the fly rod, I'm not thinking in that last second. I'm not thinking about what my gender is. Nor is the animal when when the arrow or the nor bullet. Is the <laughs> when the bullet or arrow hits, right? Damn it, a woman! I let yeah. a woman get me. <laughs> right, and neither is a man. Like we can go both ways on that. I am, I am not putting down women. I'm not putting down men. It goes both ways. You aren't sitting there going, "I am man. I am pulling the trigger." That's not what's on your mind. What's on both of our minds is the excitement of what's about to happen, the anticipation, the nervousness, the shakes, the tears, like whatever is happening in that moment. We don't cry. (laughs) (laughs) BS. But it's in that moment, it's it's the fruition of all the hard work, no matter what your gender is. And I celebrate that with, with my fellow hunters, whether they're men or women. Um, that excitement of the hunt. So. And I've let out some womanly screams after <laughs> after some shots. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, oh. I don't know that. I think that that you could stay on that topic and speculate and speculate. I mean, the, the most important part is we, we gotta, we gotta understand there. Yeah, that we, we are a community that needs to be together 100%, no matter the color of the camel, no matter, you know, if, yeah. if it's, you know, minority talking, um, women, whatever it is, we have to be 
side by side and in a line so we can keep this going and be able to fight the fight that is going to get worse year after year yeah. after year. And the more yeah. that we allow these stupid, I don't even know what to call them anymore, to, to come between our community and, and we're setting them there. That's the worst part. I, I did a podcast yeah. with Garrett Weaver. I don't know. It seems like it's been two weeks, a week or something. And he said it really, really well. An anti-hunter or an anti-wolf hunter or a vegan doesn't care whether you're hunting a mountain lion in Oregon or a black panther in the Amazon. They don't want you to do either. And that's the yeah. same stance that we need to take as hunters, right? It doesn't <laughs> matter what your demographic outside of a hunter is when you when you buy that as long as you're ethical tag, yeah you yep. represent this community and you better yeah. understand it and come together i mean that yeah. drives me nuts yeah yeah and and that like we're investing in women we're investing in demographics that don't necessarily get the opportunity but we're also investing in the next generation um and that honestly what you said about getting women involved in this is also kind of hitting that as well that that younger generation um so i'm begging my daughter i am begging her (laughs) as as often as i can throw a hint in there or just say come on come on i'm just i just want her to go to the field with me i want her to give it another opportunity um she would she would kill it. I mean, that, that kid's a beast. I call her a kid. She'll probably yeah. be pissed off at me, but um, <laughs> she's a beast. I mean, she, you know, was a scholar athlete from 12 years old through college. Um, phenomenal, phenomenal work ethic. So yeah. I know if she goes in the field that I'm going to have somebody that can outdo me, you know, <laughs> which I, is it's a awesome. lot of pride in that. Heck yeah. yeah. You know, it, it's yeah. freaking awesome. I'm, oh, I, yeah. I, I hope, I'm, I'm hoping that she's going to get out there with me, even if she doesn't hunt, but just to go see it again and understand it and, and get out there with the animals and go through the full experience. Well, and we've talked about that with our kids, even if they don't ever pull a trigger, even if they don't ever kill an animal or harvest anything, however you want to say it, to go through hunter safety and to learn about the process and to learn about conservation and to learn what our community does for the world um, is worth everything. Just educating is a step forward where somebody else who's never learned anything about it um, has a step back. You know what I mean? It's, it's really important to know. And my daughter tells people all the time or other kids, your mom kills deer. She goes, yeah, if she didn't kill the deer and if other hunters didn't kill the deer, then we would have way too many deer and then they would get sick and die out. And I like to see the deer out there, don't you? (laughs) So it's, it's all about teaching them what, um, what we do and why we do it. And there are a bunch of different reasons why, but there are a lot of, of rewards and wonderful consequences that come from what we do. Absolutely. So that's a, and we actually, you know, when we were talking last night, it actually started to come up and I bit my tongue because I, I feel like I'm always kind of adversarial in that group or being taken that way. So we talk about, you know, 
food um, and, and putting, you know, meat in the freezer. And yeah, that is a predominant reason that we do it. Right. Mm-hmm. But in my opinion, I think that that is a small fraction of the entire reason of why we do what we do. Um, it yeah. is a bonus. It's icing on the cake. But if it was for food, solely for food, and with as much emphasis as we put on it, why not go down to the market? Or why not, you know, if you're talking about, you know, free range organic, there's plenty of sourcing for that now. Oh, yeah. So there's another side to it um, that I think is being overshadowed. Yeah. You know, the... Why why would you go out there for a one in 50 chance in some instances, right? Why would you mm-hmm. – we don't pursue anything else like that in our lives. If we go out and we get our butts kicked 20 times in anything else, we're not likely to go back and get our butts kicked. But, no, you try something else. <laughs> right. But in hunting, that's what we do. I mean, if you look at yeah. some success rates, there's guys – I there's years where I came back. I had four tags at the beginning of the season – and I had four tags at the end of the season. Yeah. Um, discouragement, frustration. Oh, I those shouldn't are hard years. Yeah, it's rough. Yeah. So the yeah. food, the food topic, I guess is I, maybe I tangent and explain that way too off. Um, went left with that one, but the food topic is what everybody's. Oh, it's meat in the freezer, meat in the freezer, meat in the freezer. But I think it's played out, and I think it doesn't explain the full experience of this. No, pursuit. I think it's a great. I think when we're talking to people who don't necessarily get hunting, um, they might get the fact that bringing food into our home that is like we know where it's coming from. We know what's who's touched it. We know. I think that it's an easy. Oh, I was about to get you on that one. I'm glad you said it. No, (laughs) no. I think it's an easier conversation to have with somebody who doesn't know about every it's a, okay, let me put it this way. It's a great way to lead into the other reasons of why we hunt. It's a good starter. It's a good way to get the conversation going and then go, okay, I get that. And then you can lead into the fact that there's a whole lot of hard work that goes into it. There's a whole lot of pride that goes into it, the conservation side of it, the, the safety of, of keeping numbers the way that they are so that we don't, so that CWD doesn't go wildfire crazy like it can. Um, the way that Tennessee right now, I know that every single year, Tennessee has one of the largest numbers of donated venison to food pantries and to, um, to shelters that feed the homeless and the needy. And so it's, there are, there are so I mean, you could keep going, you could keep going the, the way that archery in schools touches more kids than football or basketball or track because you're touching kids that wouldn't necessarily get into a sport because they might not be that athletic to run or to lift weights or to be big enough to tackle a 300 something pound guy. Like you're reaching kids who, who might not have those um, strengths, but they have the ability to draw back on a bow 
and to place an arrow in a bullseye and feel something that they've accomplished and be a part of a team and focus and and then maybe lead into competition archery or hunting. And it's just, there's so many, I mean, you could keep going. You could keep going into the, all of the different ways that hunting feeds, um, feeds into the good parts of, of our world. And so I, but that, the food thing, it, it is overused, but I can see it as a way to open a door to somebody who wouldn't necessarily have a conversation about it. Right. No, I agree with that to an extent, but I think it's used to sometimes take the easy way out, right? Or not oh, 100%. Have, or not yes. have that difficult conversation. For me, yes. I, I don't even know how to explain it. And it sounds so freaking cliche, but there is a need, a desire deep down in me to do it, whether it's harvesting yeah. or not, I need, and, and, and I was trying to avoid it, but that, that just like the primal, I, I don't know. I, I do not know, but it just, everything about me needs to feed it. And the only thing that's going to feed it is going out into the field and not even killing anything, but just yeah. the pursuit, just the chase. And I think that's a yeah. battle it may be like an internal battle thing, right? How far can I push to get this done? Yeah, I get that. I get that. 100%. And it is, there are different reasons that people do it. Um, honestly, one of the reasons that I do it is to show my daughter that she could if she wanted to. Um, and And there's a lot of pride in that fact. And I know that there's a lot that, you know, when she and my son look up and see that both of their parents are doing it, my son can then respect another woman for doing it as well because he sees how his dad respects me. So there's a, there's, there's a lot that you could go into with people. And yes, I do believe that it can be used. If you don't go into the rest of it, then you're kind of copping out. Uh, yeah. Just my opinion, folks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just but so it is nice to, to have it in the freezer. Oh heck yeah! I mean, I'm not yeah, I'm not belittling <laughs> that by any stretch of the imagination. No. What I'm belittling is the fact that we use that um, yes so much, you know, so yeah. so much, and it's such a small part of what we really do. I mean, I'd be well, and if you don't to, if you don't talk about the rest of it, then you're really not doing your part in educating. Um if people don't hear the rest of that, if they don't hear the conservation side of it, if they don't hear all of that and the reasons that you do it, then you are belittling what we're doing. Um, and that's not fair to what you do because then you're belittling yourself. No, and I don't think you're going to win them over by that. I think if you Heck no. can get into that, you know, you, you start talking hunting and everyone that, that I talk to, um, or come in contact with, and you, you could talk hunting for hours and hours and hours and not, not miss a beat. And I think when you expose people to that passion and that side of it and the emotion starts to come out, I think that's what captivates and captures people to want to yeah. look deeper into it. Agreed. Agreed. And the more they understand 
I mean, my daughter's friends, the second she said that, they go, oh, well, that makes sense um, about keeping the numbers down. And and I, I, I kind of backed it up because they looked confused. And I said, you know, if you had a family of 15 and one person gets sick, does everybody else get sick? There's a high probability of it. So now, like quadruple that, like more than you've got thousands of deer and one gets sick. How fast do you think that's going to spread? And so it's, it's, it's learning how to have conversations with different types of people. Um, it's learning how not to be um, harsh, not to be defensive, um, but to be an educator. And there's a huge difference because if you come at it aggressively, then you've lost the conversation already. And so if you're open to listening, but you're also opening to be, you're open to be firm and to stand on your beliefs without being defensive, without raising your voice, with just having conversations, then maybe you can at least leave that conversation not agreeing with each other, but respecting each other. Right, right. You, and, and there is a point with a lot of folks that it's fallen on deaf ears. You're not going to win it, but then you have to realize no. there's a time to walk away from that conversation. Yeah. And I would rather them walk away respecting me for having a, a conversation where I'm respecting them because then you walk away from each other going, okay, I don't necessarily agree with what she's doing, but she's good people. And if she's good people, then she can't be doing bad stuff. Like it. Maybe they think some of them. Maybe. That's my goal. That's my goal. I want but, everybody to like me. Right. But that's, I mean, but that is really a good goal, right? I mean, when you look at it, yeah. it you definitely get more, more uh, flies with uh, sugar water than with you do with vinegar. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, and the second you, the second you raise your voice, the second you get defensive, that wall goes up. And I'd rather sit back and have a conversation with somebody um, now there are people that you just have to walk away from, like exactly. you said. Yeah. I, well, and then you, you know, you respond irately and it becomes that evil hunter was yelling and screaming at Yeah. Right? You're, you're and I'm not going to no lower win. my level. Yeah. It's no, a no I'm win. not going to lower myself. No win situation. No. You just fed their, their stereotype yes. big time. Yeah. So. so I think we do as hunters, we have to watch that. Um, I think we do a we good job, though. I think we're getting better I think so at too. it. I know we, yep. we may, <clears throat> excuse me, we may antagonize here and there a bit, but it looks like we're getting better. But what the heck do yeah. I know, right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it, hey, you and I are getting better. Yeah, it, one, it, it looks like at a time. it looks like there's some good effort um, in that yeah. realm. I wish we could yeah. do better amongst ourselves. Um, yes. I think if we do better amongst ourselves, we'll stop worrying about that, but it'll fall into place. Um, yeah. maybe without, you know, not without some, some fight, you know, against the anti, uh, establishment, but I think we fall yeah. in line with each other. We'll, we'll be a lot better off for it. So, yes. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So yep. how does, uh, what's your 2019 season? How's that shaping up? 
I have a couple goals. I having two different places where stands are instead of just one. Um, I think that we're, we're hunting a different spot. And so it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, where they're coming from, where they're, uh, it'll be totally new. So that's exciting to me. Um, uh, mentoring my kids into it. That's a huge goal for the year. Um, I'd love to get into Alabama with a couple of friends and, and go hunting down there. Um, I've got a couple of different places that I've been, the invitation's always open. So I would just like to take them up on it um, and shoot out of the state for the first time. Um, I'm working with uh, Whitetail Rendezvous. Um, he's coming up with a deer hunting institute that I'm looking over and it's kind of a three-part series. Um, first part for newbies, for people who've never hunted before. How do you get started? What are, what are you supposed to be looking for? What classes are you supposed to take? Those kind of things to people that are kind of like where I am, kind of in the middle grounds. What goals can I set for myself in the future? Um, and then experienced people that are way beyond me. And so it'll be neat to see where that goes um, uh, in this next year. So those are, those are a couple of the goals. Get a little bit further into um, meeting people in our community. Um, I love doing podcasts. I love chatting with people and, and talking about, about things. I love listening to you on our group uh, get-togethers on Wednesday and learning about the, different, the differences between our kind of hunting and your kind of hunting. Um, I don't know. I just, I feel like I'm a sponge right now. I love taking it all in. And I don't think so, that ever ends. I, I think, no. that, you know, it, it, I'm it's so glad. nonstop. I mean, <laughs> it, it just consumes you. I love it. Yeah. I love it. And it's yeah. been really interesting for me to get on those, to get on that, uh, that group and really hear the perspectives from, you know, the other, two thirds of the country. Um, yeah, I've never, well, I shouldn't, well, I've never seriously tree stand hunted. Um, I've hunted down in Texas, but it wasn't stand. Um, yeah. but the management schemes and, um, what you guys are doing, it's just so much different than out here. Out yeah, west. Working. And, and they, there are, I, I think that you've heard from a lot of people who, who hunt a lot on private land here on the east, southeast, uh, northeast. Um, there are people that, that hunt over public land here that do have to do a little bit more inclined with you with the stock hunting. Um, and there's still no packing out normally, but... Um, but it's a little bit different when you get in the mountains and things like that over here. Um, I work on five acres. There's not a whole lot to do with five acres. So you have to be creative. Um, so it's, it's interesting. How many tags can you run there in Tennessee? <laughs> we can shoot two bucks in a year in a season and we can shoot up to, oh shoot. Is it three or four, three or four dough a day? Huh? Uh-huh. Holy 
<laughs> you want to come to Tennessee, Dad? Oh, my goodness. No way. You want to come hunting in Tennessee? Well, I mean, you, and that's crazy. So numbers must be phenomenal. Oh, Tennessee is overrun right now. Wow. Um, so three to four doe a day. Dang. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. People look at me like, what? Yeah, that's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I shouldn't say bucks or does. You can take two antler deer because people will still, every once in a while, they'll get an antler deer and it's a female, but it's still considered an antler an antler deer. That's nuts. That That's some numbers. I know. I mean, for us. There's some numbers. Yeah. Here in California, I can have two deer tags, right? And um, unless you go after an either sex tag, generally speaking, yeah. you're, you're chasing antler deer. Um, yeah. And then unless you pursue something out of state, you know, then you can start racking those numbers up, but then you start racking those dollars up too. Yeah. I'll tell you the first, the first hunt that I went on, the first, or that I sat the first day that I went out, I sat there. I didn't get a deer. Of course, it's my first day. Why? That's, it's just not going to happen. But the best thing that happened was two bucks started fighting about 150 yards from me. And just to sit there and watch them go at it was awesome. Amazing. It was so cool. Um, so like you said, you don't have to. There are lots of really awesome things that um, that happen. I mean, walking up to my tree stand, there were there's a snake skin one time, uh, fire ants all over the ladder. Uh, that was not a great morning, but I still pushed through. Yes, yes. A skunk went under me one time. I was very, very still. Um, it's just it's the experiences that I can go back on and live through over and over again. There's nothing Waking like them. Up. No, uh, uh-uh. sitting there while the world wakes up. It's amazing to watch the world get up. Do the squirrels wake up first? Do the birds wake up first? Um, so it's just the whole experience is pretty cool. So you ever thought about hunting out west, or is that something? I know you went on a went on a backpacking or snowshoeing. Um, I did trip with your brother there. Um, is that, that something that you're thinking about? I would love to do it. Um, it's, uh, I mean, that would be a blast. I wouldn't even know where to start. Elk. No, I'm saying I wouldn't. I wouldn't even know where to start with the whole process of of getting things started. Um, it's actually yeah. not that bad. Um, okay, it's. I mean, right? We live in a day and age where all you have to do it's at your at, at your thumbs or your fingertips, yes. whichever you use, right? So it's, it's really true. not. It's not that hard to get in. Um, to some of it, I think with, with Western hunting, um, coming from back East, I think the biggest shock would be the differences in, uh, in gear, um, yeah. would be the biggest thing. Right. Um, I, yeah. I'm not going to make any assumptions about the gear that, <laughs> that you guys are sitting in tree stands with. Um, but I think that would be the biggest shock, but I think it's the, the information is so readily available. Um, yeah. and there's some super good resources. And then, you know, we talked about it a little bit earlier, um, 
you know, a guided hunt or a semi-guided hunt, things like that. But right. I mean, right. you want to go, yeah, we won't even go down that road. You want to come out West and, and hate deer for the rest of your life. Go on an elk. The spoiling. Yeah. You'll um, never be the same. It'd be pretty cool. That That is definitely on the radar. It would be a dream. Like I think that you, one of your things that you were like, what is your dream hunt? Um, it would be to go out West. It would be to experience that kind of hunting. Um, yeah, no guy, we sit, we sit in a tree. I sit in my camo with my phone sometimes and my bow. (laughs) I don't, that's the gear. That's my gear. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing. We'll have to talk uh, about that. If you need help getting pointed in the right direction, I, I'd be happy Thank to facilitate that. Yeah. So, um, so specifically, you you brought it up. What's that dream hunt? Um, honestly, I'm so new into just getting into hunting. Um, I, like you said, going out west and experiencing stock hunting. Um, walking with somebody who's done it and, and learning how to do that would be pretty awesome. I think that there's a different sense of pride in the work that you put into that kind of thing. Um, it's usually not just a day hunt. (laughs) It's, it's more involved than that. Um, I don't know if I would ever be interested in a bear hunt. Um, I've, I've noticed a couple of women who have gone on bear hunts. I don't know if I have that interest. Um, not that I have anything against it. I just, I don't think that that ever would be something that I won't say never, but right now it's just not something I'm interested in. I think that elk would be something that would be on that radar. Um, antelope, maybe, um, just something that's not here. That uh, would be pretty cool, but mountains. it would be more, yeah, the mountains. <laughs> I, I love the mountains. I love, I mean, we, I had a blast with my brother going up to 13,000 feet and, and rocking it. It was, it was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, that would be kind of a dream hunt. I don't blame you for wanting to come out here West. I, as, <laughs> as much as I'm, I'm intrigued about Midwest Getting and, and Getting, getting three to four deer a day. Yeah, it, it's still, yeah, it's not even close in my opinion. That's the hardest part, right? Because you want to experience every bit of it you can to understand it and, and, you know, say you've done it, but it's just how do you, that would be taking away a week or a weekend or whatever yeah. it is away from something that I don't like the time away that I have to have because of season yeah. as it is. So it's a, yep. that's a rough one. I think that it would kind of be, I mean, if I had the opportunity and the finances to do it, it'd be a blast to do. I think that it's, um, being a mom, sometimes I have to think, okay, well, where, where are my most important, um, priorities right now? I've got, um, 10 more years with, with my kiddos, um, until they're That's a misconception. Least- it's a misconception. I know it's a misconception. <laughs> I have ten more years with them in until they graduate high school. How about I put it <laughs> there that you way? Go. Um, and so it 
I think that sometimes you put off dreams sometimes though that you shouldn't necessarily put off. So um, I don't know. It's in between that. I love with photography. I get to travel. I was in Haiti last year on a, a trip to take pictures of a school for their yearbook. And that was a great experience. I'd love to go back again and do that. So it is, it's kind of priorities right now. You know, it's all about balance. Yeah. And you know what? And that, and it sucks. <laughs> yeah, it really does. It sucks. If I could have mid August yeah. to mid November off, I'd be fine with any job that would allow that. And, and still be able to live the yeah. way we're that we live, you know, it's, like, it's a little bit easier. I would say that I might have, the disadvantage of having to think, how do I get a deer out of the woods? How do I, like, how do I handle those kind of things being a woman? Um, but I do have to say not being the primary breadwinner in our family and being my own boss in the job that I do allows me more flexibility during hunting season to be able to do things. Which is awesome. So it's awesome. And I don't take that for granted at all. Yeah. So yeah. one of the things that I touch on on every episode is uh, conservation. Just a yes. one to two minute spiel um, just to get your perspective on conservation. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let us have it. Um, well, we've talked a little bit about it, about education. Um, I'm, I have the ability to connect with kids from fourth grade to fifth grade and, and soon six through 12. And so being able to educate kids in that is one place where I get to kind of stand on my own two feet and be able to talk to kids about that. Um, just about what our hunting community does and what the state of Tennessee does. Um, I've been able to sit in and hear some things about what uh, TWRA is doing right now about CWD. Um, and it's been interesting to hear the plans. I know they get, man, our wildlife people get such flat for how they handle it. And honestly, I think they're just doing the best that they can. Um, and I think that sometimes we make we make it harder by calling them zombie deer and creating this big, huge thing. When, if you go to the NDA national deer association, like if you go to these places that have all of the information, um, I don't know. I don't, I, I feel like education is the big part. Um, I don't really know a whole lot more other than what I can do to talk to people about it. And that's, I mean, and, and that's one, one of the reasons that I asked the question, right, is to get the other perspectives, however great it is or however small it is, it's still impact to yeah the overall effort in that, right? Yeah. Um, the and more I might, of us I that might are conscious not, of it. Yeah, I might not have hands-on, but my, my um, hunting license every year, the, I, I am financially supporting conservation in my state and in the country. And, um, and so that's my little financial part, whatever I'm giving to, um, uh, 
to digital campfire, whatever, like whatever parts that I'm the national, uh, wild Turkey Federation, like all of these parts that we're involved in are the financial part. And that's one way, but it's just talking to people and and educating people is a huge Huge way. That's, I think that's one of the biggest parts, right? Is opening the eyes to the importance of. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And underutilized. So anything in closing, anything you want to get out there? How do folks get a hold of you? What's your Instagram? Um, Instagram, I'm Amy Hall Hunter. Um, that, that's pretty much it. I, and again, like I said, if there are any women out there that are thinking about starting or have just started, or you just need some encouragement or you need another woman to walk alongside of you that you can talk to, hit me up. I am, I am an open book. And again, I might not have all the answers, but I'll help you find the answers because I would love to learn what those answers are as well. Yeah. Good deal. Well, I appreciate the time and the conversation. It's been a blast. It's been fun. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. You can catch up with Amy on Instagram at Amy Hall Hunter. Thank you for listening. Follow and tag us on Instagram at Western Contours. Jump on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down.